Today is going to be a little different from the other things that I've done here. Today's story is about things that have actually happened to me while working in a church ministry of some sort. Some of them are scary. Some of them are shocking. Some of them are funny. But they are all very true. And I hope that we can learn something from these experiences. Not to shame anyone. I won't be sharing any names, any locations or dates, because it will protect those who did these things from any embarrassment. But I think it's important for us to listen to these stories and learn how to be better leaders, how to be better people. Today's story is called The Shunning. of shunning is an old practice. It's not just found in religious history, but in many families who have a weird uncle or cousin that did something embarrassing to the family, or they just don't like them because they have money and nobody else does. Who knows? It's the act of actively and in an organized manner ignoring, avoiding, or rejecting someone socially. The point of shunning can range from discipline to forced conformity or just plain meanness. And when a church does it, it's even worse. I'm going to tell you about two times I've seen it done. It's ugly, but it's a story that needs to be told. I was young and shiny. I'd only had a part-time job in youth ministry until I landed this youth worship position at a large church of about 2,000. I grew up Baptist, and this place was a little charismatic, but I wasn't going to let that stop me. I wanted something more expressive and exciting than the hymn and choir routine I'd grown up with. My youth pastor introduced us all to Christian punk, ska, and hardcore music in the mid-90s, and it unlocked a need for music to match the passion of my faith. And Sister Lurleen's organ playing at 9.30 a.m. just wasn't getting it done. I didn't know at that time what I believed about a lot of things. I just knew that I loved Jesus, and I wanted to help students find and follow Him too. Music had always been a sort of weapon against the enemy, and I was eager to write my own songs for worship. So that's what I got to do. And at first, things were fine. There were some red flags along the way, things I didn't understand, but most of it was irrelevant. Besides, I was amassing a set of skills that would propel me to where I am today. So for that, I'm eternally thankful. I learned to edit video, graphic design, how to write songs, and what to do with my office time, just to name a few. But in eight short months, it all changed. A few arguments with my boss about theological things she had said in Bible studies, and the constant push from her and others to conform to the more charismatic way of expressing my faith were becoming more frequent, more daunting, more exhausting. After about two months of wrestling with whether or not I was a fit, Kara, my wife and I, decided that we were not. We didn't have any kids and we were renting a home there, so we could just really pick up and move if we wanted to. So that's what we decided to do. 
I went in one day with my resignation letter in my pocket. And the things that happened after that, when I turned in my resignation letter, everything changed. I remember being told that I was making the biggest mistake of my life when I slid my resignation letter across the table, past the small tape recorder that was recording what would be my final conversation with leadership there. I was asked if it could be recorded because this meeting was meant to be sort of a disciplinary meeting to find out why I was digging in my heels and if I was going to get on board. I was not. My boss's jaw dropped. The executive pastor said, I had a feeling this meeting might end that way. And that was that. The next day, I noticed a drastic change in the atmosphere around the office. But of course, I was leaving. It was weird. But this was unique. Friends and coworkers seemed suddenly absent. They walked past me in the halls, and if they gave a hello in return at all, it was a nervous one. One younger couple who had been friends of ours stopped returning emails and stopped talking to us altogether. It was weird. So I called up another friend I had made, who was no longer on staff there at the church, to meet up for lunch. And that's when he told me that the staff were instructed to behave this way. I had already seen some mistreatment of a previous coworker who came on staff and then quickly left, but I never thought they would do that to me. They were told not to talk to us, to cut off communication, to avoid contact, maybe even avoid eye contact. We were being shunned. So long story short, we moved home, found new roles elsewhere. I stayed in contact with my good friend who I'd gone to lunch with, and our families are still very close. However, in a shocking turn of events, it would be many years later in another position at another large church that I would be told to do the shunning. Fast forward a few years to another church and another job. It was a large church with a lot of influence. Well, in some circles. We had experienced a lot of staff turnover, and suddenly the news was featuring our pastor in an investigative report that I can't discuss. Needless to say, tensions were high. Our team of six in junior high ministry had been reduced to two in junior high ministry. The same four to 600 students were still coming, and we were still expected to produce. We were under a lot of stress and a lot of people were leaving because of the high pressure to perform. I distinctly remember sitting in a staff meeting in which our lead pastor told us that every person who had left or been let go, which is a nice way of saying fired, were not here for a reason. There's a reason they're gone. Well, that makes sense. God does things like that sometimes. It's happened to me. And when there are legal issues or toxic type people who leave, it might be healthy to put a little distance between them and a leadership role. But it was his next few sentences that let me know I was done.
As I sat there, I heard my lead pastor, a man I trusted until this point, instruct me and everyone else to have a funeral in my mind for those who are not on staff anymore. He literally asked me to pretend that they were dead. People I had worked with who had just left for another position somewhere who had cared about me far more than he ever had. He then told us that there was no reason to have or continue a friendship with them or even contact them because they were no longer on mission with us at our church. We were even made to feel that contact with them would be viewed as insubordination and our jobs might be in jeopardy. I was shocked, couldn't believe my ears. What a myopic view of the church. What I thought I had been building there for the Lord, it turns out I'd been building it for Him. It's what happens when leaders lead out of their own hurts and insecurities. I went home that day and began planning my exodus from this toxic work environment. And I felt zero guilt when I helped my friends and former coworkers pack their moving truck the next week. Leadership is about serving others with a direction in mind, not dictating decisions and micromanaging lives to make them in your image. If you've been shunned, let me be the first to say, I'm sorry. That's not how Jesus led his disciples. When Peter denied him, Judas betrayed him, Matthew probably stole from him, and they all abandoned him. He loved them still. He cared about them more than he cared about his own well-being, his own reputation. Shunning is not Jesus's way. So there are two lessons to pull from these two stories for anybody in leadership. First, the church is bigger than your church. This is an issue in every size church because power, authority, and control all exist in every size church. Even a very small amount, any of those, can go to someone's head. But it's not our job to control others, nor is the church limited by your zip code. If your love for your ministry exceeds your love for your staff and people, then you have missed the heart of serving in leadership. The church is bigger than you. Second, how you treat people you disagree with is an indicator of maturity and Christ-likeness. When you shun people because of disagreement or they move on to another position, it shows that you misunderstand what Jesus did for you. He died for you when you were still a sinner in absolute disagreement with him. And because of this, we're called to treat others in the same way. It's the point of the parable of the unforgiving debtor. Treat others how the king has treated us. God cares about how we treat one another. John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. What would shunning ex-staffers show to the world? Love? Probably not. Leaders, be the light of Jesus you want to see in the world. Making the tough sacrifices is what we sign up for when we say yes to God and agree to lead others. Thanks for listening to my experience. I'll see you again soon. Subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating or review if you found it to be helpful or just interesting. Interesting.